How's it going, everybody? Happy Friday to you, NHL Fantasy on Ice. Pete Jensen, Rob Reese, guest Davey Satriano. How's it going, guys? Mock draft time. Feeling good. Yeah, I did a little mock draft uh, on Thursday this week, Thursday afternoon. How do you think it went, Davey? I think it went well, guys. You know how I'm so starved for fantasy betting that I bet on the hot dog eating contest last week and yesterday? <laughs> no joke, guys. I bet on the weather. I had over-unders on the high temperature <laughs> in 10 cities. What is wrong with me? That's uh, next level stuff from Davey. That's why we bring you on. You have that next level thought process, especially for these mock drafts, uh, which we're used to more for the uh, regular season, right, guys? We don't normally have the time to do a mock draft for a playoff pool because there's only like three or four days. But here we are with a 12-team, 10-player each team mock draft, total 120 players, and each of us took four of them each. I'll say this, that when I was actually in the drafting mode, it really made me dial in to which teams I feel confident about. And I noticed that I had maybe one or two players each, just one or two total on, on, on four teams that I did not feel comfortable about their team going far in the postseason. So it just really makes you think about that draft strategy. Yeah, I actually looked at this too just before we came on. Of the four teams, one of them I did had no players with buys. Like 10, all my players were in – the first, the qualifiers, the other teams, I had seven in the first round and five and five in the first round. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, yes, you kind of want those extra games, but you could be at a situation where half your team is gone after those qualifiers. So that's definitely something we got to look out for. I think we saw a lot of one particular team break a lot of ties, like the Vegas Golden Knights. I know on one of my team, um, I stacked both goalies. We have two goalie slots in this mock draft format. Uh, I even reached for Mark Stone really high among the top 10 overall. And really, could either of you guys dispute it too much? I know that maybe some of the other guys uh, that were behind him are bigger names with bigger fantasy pedigree. But when you think about what he did last playoffs and that we expect Vegas to go probably three rounds, uh, I don't know that you could dispute it. If there's one thing that's clear throughout the year while doing this podcast, it's that Pete Jensen has a love affair with Mark Stone. So I don't blame you, Pete, but it's a full-on love affair. You're going out to dinner every night. You're watching movies. You know, you're texting. It's a full-on love affair at this point. I'm not going to dispute that myself, Pete. I mean, that's, to me, besides the love affair, I think the, the proof is in the pudding on this pick. Uh, Vegas is a team, Pete. Anytime I had a selection and there was a couple of Vegas guys, whether it was Marshall, whether it was Wild Bill, uh, Shea Theodore on the board still, I was always gravitating towards that Vegas name. You know, I looked at my team. I don't know if I had any Vegas players, but one team that I did have, I had three Canucks players on one of my teams, and they're one of those teams in the first round where I said, I really think they're going to beat the Wild. So if I can get two rounds out of, you know, a Patterson or a Besser or even a Markstrom, that's to me, that's kind of worth it when you get the guy, you know, in the eighth or not one of our last rounds. Yeah. And I saw someone actually reached for, I think it was you, right? You reached for Jacob Markstrom because he is a clear number one starter. He does have that awesome offense and power play in front of him, which makes you think, hey, if he wins multiple rounds and uh, he's the clear guy, you can't say that about many of the guys who were drafted before, uh, after, after him in this mock draft. So, uh, yeah, that's, I think that explains that pick. It was a really good one, I thought, Davey. It's just too risky, man. Like that, that's, that's, my, that's my argument. It's just too risky with this format in particular. Like on one hand, you, you could be a 200 IQ genius by selecting a lot of Canucks. On the other hand, you could totally be out of this entire playoff pool before the, the actual playoffs, the actual Stanley Cup playoffs start. 
So that, that is my rationale for like, I, I like what you did on one hand, but on the other hand, it seems way too aggressive. Davey, I have to um, <laughs> give you a little bit of advice and, you know, looking at the stock market, you got to diversify a little bit. I think, you know, with the pool like this, you got to diversify and three Canucks is a little heavy handed in my opinion, Davey. You're right about that. It's just, you know, to me, it was more of the situation for me, which was harder was the goalies. Cause I look at the four teams I have only one of them. Did I get two goalies who are the clear number ones? I have uh, Kemper and Crawford, but those two guys can be out in the first round. You know, on another team, I had a, a Shesterkin who he could, you know, he could be out. I had Marzalikins who knows about him. So it was tough with the goalies trying to get two starters personally. And only two of us, I believe myself and Robbie. So I stacked the Vegas goalies and Robbie stacked the Colorado goalies, which I thought was uh, maybe an even better move because those guys might mix and match and actually both play uh, throughout the first couple of rounds. So uh, your reasoning, Robbie, in uh, investing in Colorado. Well, I, I'm 100% sold on Colorado, whether it's their goalies, whether it's their defense or even their forwards. I know I got Gabe Landeskog actually pretty late in the draft. To me, I thought that was a home run pick. That's a player that's probably going to be around a point per game or better through the entire postseason. Now, the, the, the two goalie thing, Pete, to comment on that, that is a total, I would almost say weakness when I made that pick because it, it made me realize I have no idea who's going to be starting for that club. They, I expect them to each to get two games in this round robin seeding thing. And so it could be Grubauer starting after that. It could be Franco starting after that. And then after that point, Grubauer has a bad game. It could be Franco the next night. So I think that's my only word of caution when you're going to go after those elite teams that have the tandems. Those are probably the only two teams I would even – dare to do that with but I agree when I after I did that with the Vegas tandem I almost felt like reckless that I was especially for the playoffs because like you guys were saying even if you diversify and take a goalie from each of the two teams you don't know that even one of them is going to advance past the first round so you're narrowing your options and your depth by uh, taking two goalies from the same team it is a little reckless I think would you guys agree with me? I look at the Colorado Avalanche, and I love this team. You know, Rantanen getting healthy, McKinnon, McCarr on the back end, tremendous also. Their weak link is the goaltending. Is that correct in saying it's really their only weak link when I look at this Colorado Avalanche team? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a weakness. I think, I mean, Grubauer, Franco has played really well. when I said weak in. link, Davey. They're weak link. I mean, I guess – if you're going to go that way, it would probably be weaker than their defense and definitely their offense. I mean, I don't know. It's probably goaltending's probably better for them than their defense. So I would disagree with you there. I think uh, they probably have one of the stronger tandems, one of the stronger. And what I like about you, Pete, drafting both of those guys is you're getting every game they play, you're getting a start. So it's not like me where I have two guys who they can be out in the first round and they could maybe not get all the starts. So to draft the Vegas guys and the Colorado guys, that was a good strategy by you guys, I think. You know every night you're going to have a goalie. Well, I know Franzos was one of the best road goalies in the league, and then Grubauer, you have the past pedigree from last postseason where he took them to game seven of the second round. So I think as uh, you could look at it as it wasn't as good as it could have been in the regular season collectively. But, yeah, come playoff time, I think the expectations are high for each of those guys individually. Um, it's anybody's guess who will get the call. And um, – Whoever does, honestly, has the ceiling of winning the Stanley Cup, especially Grubauer, because he's been uh, pretty far before. 
I think it's, it's going to come down to actual people's postseason pool drafts. And if you have that snake pick, that wraparound pick, where you're either it's pick one or pick 12, like you can be in a position to do that. Would I recommend doing that? Probably not the way that I think, Pete, I felt the same way about that. I, reckless is the best word possible. I think now in hindsight, I would much, I'd much rather have a Braden Holpe and a Matt Murray where, you know, a Holpe and a Markstrom, to, to, to your credit, Davey, than to have that tandem of an elite team because I just don't know if you're going to get the same value and you're going to have the same level of comfort throughout the playoffs. And speaking of Colorado, I actually reached for McKinnon a spot ahead of Pasternak, which um, goes against our rankings a little bit. Um, So I wanted to at least touch on that. We've talked about McKinnon having the case to be number one overall uh, compared to the Edmonton guys, maybe better chance of going deep in the playoffs. But I feel like that conversation we had on the previous show about Boston's lack of scoring depth, you, you guys know better than anybody Sometimes an elite line gets shut down in a given series and then the team is out of luck. And I think Boston, if that ever happened, uh, would be in deep trouble. Davey, before you answer, Davey, before you answer, Davey, do you have cartoons in the background? What are you watching? Scooby-Doo in honor of Grooby-Dooby-Doo? What's going on? I hear noises coming from your computer. Everything okay over there? Or are you watching (laughs) little cartoons with your nephew or whatnot? I don't think that's noise coming from me because I'm in a locked room. I'm secluded okay, here. I got okay, no one okay. Get to your answer on Boston. To go, to go to the answer on Boston, I think I think you're right. With this draft, I think three guys, Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron, were drafted in the top 11. So we went heavy on them. But a thing that I did notice with the forwards, it seemed like Patrick Kane was like out there forever. And I'm thinking someone's got to take him. I mean, this if they went around, I mean, he could – so there were some guys like that where you mentioned the ties. You picked teams who were obviously maybe had a bye. But to me, it seemed like a guy like Kane, I mean, that could be a great pick for how far down he ended up going here. I think when you're talking about lines, though, Pete, like I am worried about stacking when it, when it comes down to the playoff pools too. There was one team, one team that I had drafted on that had uh, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, and Tom Wilson on one team. That's great if you can be confident about the caps in this format but I'm not really confident about any team in this format. Right. David, you moved on to Thundercats now. What do you have going on over there, Davey? Get it dialed in, please. Go ahead, Petey. <laughs> yeah, Robbie, I was saying, yeah, we all love that line, especially from a fantasy lens, but the Caps lost in the first round last year. So who can you really trust uh, to go heavy on one team right now? Um, one thing that I thought was really fun to see go, in terms of going against our rankings, which are on NHL.com slash fantasy for 2020 Stanley Cup playoff pools we saw like I told you uh, Stone went into the top 10 Panarin also went into the top 10 like I think he deserves to to be Uh, we got a lot of heat for not having him in our top 10 and uh, I think Davey took him at number eight so and very deserving and I got Zibanejad outside the top 20 which I loved from the Rangers yeah, I mean, the Rangers, to me, they're a toss-up. I think they obviously can win the round. I don't know if they will, but even if not, I mean, it's a maximum of five games. Even in three games, Panarin can get like six points. And if you get six points and you're out in the first round, I mean, that's still, to me, that's, you know, it's a very high pick, but it's yeah. still something. And to me, the the ceiling was much better than, there's a good, better chance for me that that guy goes farther than he loses in the first round. So that's why I thought that, you know, that's a good pick there. On that same logic of taking a Ranger that is in the qualifying round, what about the first and second pick in McDavid and Drysaddle? Are you guys sold on them going at that spot? 
I think it comes down to like getting 12 games out of those guys. You assume that they would beat the Chicago Blackhawks. That's why Patrick Kane fell so deep. That's why Corey Crawford was one of the last picks in the draft, despite having like a nine seventeen save percentage or whatever it is this season, like for Kane to fall outside the top 30, another example, like Johnny Gaudreau fell to like 66. It's not that we don't love those players and trust those players. We just don't trust that they're going to get out of the first round. I don't think any of us do. So Rob, you took Connor McDavid first. I took Dreisaitl second. As you mentioned, I felt like I had to take him there, but I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago wins the series. So I feel like Mm -hmm. I could be, that could be a bad move right away, but just with the way things went this season and, you know, the fact that, I don't know, Edmonton, you know, likely they'll be playing at home, even though there's no fans and stuff. So I think everything to me said, like, I can't not take him there, even though I was kind of worried. Don't go flip-flopping on me, Robbie. (laughs) Robbie's hammer job last show was the Edmonton Oilers. So he can't go flip-flopping on me because let me tell you something. I did a wire transfer, a large amount of sums (laughs) on Robbie's hammer job of the uh, playoffs qualifying round. So don't go flip-flopping on me, Robbie. This, This is just the point, guys, when we are kind of like a month out now where I, I'm just trying to dial in the senses. I was a little aggressive. I felt like maybe last week, last episode in my predictions, and I'm just trying to fine-tune them. I'm not, I'm not backing off Edmonton, but I'm just trying to be totally sensible and look at this from a reality perspective. That first and second pick is so, oh, so valuable in a playoff pool. I'm almost tempted to say it. It's not a knock on Edmonton. I'm just almost tempted to go with the McKinnon there or, or someone like that, a Pasternak there. Uh, a Marshan there just because you know you're going to get games. You know you're getting a seven-game series out of those guys. I probably should have asked this earlier, guys, before we drafted, but do, do these pools, do you get points for the qualifying games too, like the players with buys or no? Yeah, I think it all counts. It, uh, everything well, I've we'll seen see. out there from people playing different formats sounds like it is all going to count, and it sounds like stats for the qualifying round are going to count technically as playoff stats. So. I mean, I hope so after drafting the whole Vancouver Canucks team, <laughs> yeah, really. baby, that you, that you hope that those points count. No, I mean, like, if you draft a guy like a Boston player, like Pastor, oh, you know, if, if they're playing you. those, those right, games right, right. in the seeding round, do those count? Because if they do, yes. then, hey, I would have, if I thought about that, I probably would have said, hey, I'll take one of those guys first. But I didn't think about that. Davey, you're too busy watching Garfield. That's the problem. <laughs> okay. and, and Robbie's correct. Robbie's right. I know everyone is drawn to – McDavid and Dreisaitl but wouldn't you want a team that you know is going to go a little deeper Edmonton they get through the first round if they get through the first round they are the hammer job so I expect Mm -hmm. them to get through the first round but then how much further can that team go you know McKinnon Pasternak my eyes light up when I see those players I kind of agree with what Robbie's saying there as far as the draft picks go and in a normal format, you can almost predict what the second round would be if you really are dialed in on first round matchups. Now with the reseeding potential, I think it even muddies the water further where you're like, wait, who's going to be playing who in this potential first round? Like you're still trying to get that sense as well. So I don't know. It's not that my brain's in a pretzel from this. I just think it's like when you have the opportunity to take McDreidel and McDavid and Drysaddle, you're going to. Same thing with Roman Yossi, but it's just there's that, that asterisk now or that caveat that you you're, you're have alongside that pick. 
I mean, think of it from this viewpoint. In order for Edmonton to win the Stanley Cup or Minnesota or the Rangers, teams like that, you're going to have to win 19 games, not 16 games. So that gives you an even higher ceiling. Like you could look at it as a safety net, like, okay, Colorado and Boston, you know they're going to play uh, more games in the second round. But the other team, if you hit the home run and strike gold, uh, could play even more games and give you more wiggle room. So I think that's really interesting. And um, another team I think we can trust, and they were littered right around the top 25 range uh, as you got deeper into the second round, early third round, is the St. Louis Blues. You saw Petrangelo go 23, Tarasenko 24, and Ryan O'Reilly reigning Con Smythe winner 26. Yeah, I think you can't really go wrong with the Blues based on what we saw last season, based on what we saw this season. I mean, Tarasenko, the guy hasn't played since December, but give him a few exhibition games, and I'm sure he'll you know, he's a 30-goal scorer, so I think that's a good pick. O'Reilly was obviously the Conn Smythe winner, so you got to figure, you know, he'll he'll do well. And as for Petrangelo, I, I drafted him as my first defenseman on one team. I liked the upside he has, and, he, you know, he could be a f- unrestricted free agent after the season, but I was kind of like, is he really going to score more than some of these other guys in the playoffs? I wasn't sure, but I just – because of who was around him, I figured, you know, mm-hmm. it was probably worth a – worth the pick with who was out there at the time. Tarasenko is second in goals per 60 since 2014-50. That's a five-on-five only stat behind the grade eight, okay? The Blues had the third best power play in the league this season behind Edmonton and Boston. That's without Tarasenko. Tarasenko played 10 games, just 10 games this season. That team, I'm telling you, Pete, St. Louis, I feel pretty confident about this season. I like their back end. I love their forward group. David Perron's another name in a postseason pool. That's a must-own player. How do you think Perron's value changes? He's going to be available much later. He's still viewed, like, even though he was their best power play point producer this year, he's still viewed as, like, the fourth or fifth guy on that unit. How does his value change now that Tarasenko is coming back? Because I know, you know, he kind of benefited from taking over that role, that primary offensive role, guys. I mean, I think his value, it's not really going to diminish, I don't think, because the, with the lines that St. Louis has, I mean, last year they had everyone healthy and he performed. They, they, they were able to spread it out. I mean, you know, he can still see power play time, likely on the second unit when Tarasenko's back. But I really don't think it hurts his value. I mean, it can only help when you get a player like that back. It's you know not going to take too much time from him, and they have plenty of options offensively. So I like the pick there. There's no way that he's going to be on that second unit, though. He had, what, like 30-some power play points? Yeah, I think high 20s or something. I I agree. I think he's cemented on the first unit. I think they would take, like, a Jaden Schwartz off before him, which sounds crazy because Schwartz was so good goal-scoring-wise in the playoffs last year. But I would lean Perron. For them to finish, think about some of the teams like Pittsburgh and Washington who finished outside the top 10 in power play percentage this year. Colorado finished 19th which is shocking, but their injuries kind of explain it. For St. Louis, without Tarasenko to finish third is mind-blowing and I think uh, gives you that extra level of confidence in them for the playoffs. And, um, yeah, I wonder if that translates to Bennington as well because goalies in this mock draft were totally whacked out. I mean, the first goalie didn't go until 28, and then three in a row went. It was Rask, Bishop, Vasilevsky, and Bennington went a little bit later than that. This whole time I'm blaming Davey. Meanwhile, it's the construction going on in outside Robbie's apartment in Manhattan, and that's okay. But um, I know Davey likes his cartoon, so I thought it was you, Davey. I'll say this before you get to the goalie chatter. Mm-hmm. 
what about these upper echelon capitals, these players on the capitals? Where did they go in these mock drafts? You know, the Ovechkins, the Backstroms, the Carlsons. Um, you know, Vrana is more of a fringe player, but those sorts of guys. I feel like we're talking a, a bunch about all these teams and we don't hear about the capitals at all. I do apologize for the New York City construction. It's, uh, it's out of my control. It's force majeure. Uh, one quick note here. Uh, Ovechkin went at seven. I took him. Carlson went at 10. I took him. Obviously, Davey, I am prepared for the <laughs> onslaught here of the Capitals bias, which I, I'll go to bat for. But I think just quickly, guys, that just I really am sold on this team. I think with Kovalchuk, with Frana, as Bob touched on, with Oshie, with Orlov looking pretty good this summer, I think those guys have so much depth. No matter what happens, they can get it done. Well, going down the list here, you also took Backstrom. The next guy, you took Kuznetsov. So I think you took like the first five, and Holpe. I think you took like the first five capitals on your various teams. So let's hope for your sake they do well. And exactly. And Robbie reached for uh, John Carlson. Not really a reach, but he took him as the first defenseman. So that was a little bold strategy. We'll see if it pays off for him. But yeah, I think uh, the only capital I took was uh, TJ Oshie. And yeah, when you look deeper down the line, like Oshie is one of the big game players that uh, makes an impact and is locked into the top six, locked into the first power play, locked in for an elite team that is very likely to win at least a round or two. That's a player I would want on my team. And I just went through the Capitals. It just shows how deep they are because I'm thinking about the upper echelon players on the Capitals and Oshie didn't even come to my mind. Meanwhile, this guy in the playoffs is a producer. I love his presence in the locker room. I love what he does all together. Oshie's a great player to have on your team if you're drafting, for sure. Well, speaking of Capitals, you know, in the last round here, I actually drafted Ilya Kovalchuk, figuring, I mean, it's the last round. You know, if he, he can get a couple points here and there, you know, I think that might not be a bad thing. But what I did notice was towards the last two rounds, there was more of these forwards where, as you said, they're kind of like, you know, that you want to get a guy, even if he's in the first round and doesn't have a bye, who you say, hey, it's the last pick it might as well take a guy who did well during the regular season. And if I can get something out of him. So that's why in my last rounds, one team, I took Kovalchuk, one team, I took Kessel. I know Pete, you took Matt Barzell. So the guys like that were going in the last rounds. I just want to ask, I want to tee Pete up on this question. Teams that are deep, like the caps, does that maybe worry you a little bit in a fantasy draft? Like if you don't get Ovechkin or Carlson, like, is it going to be hard for you to get that point share? Are you confident in Backstrom and Kuznetsov's past that they're going to produce no matter what the situation is? I think, uh, you know, anybody on the power play one is really attractive. You get to Vrana, but even Vrana, like we were saying the other day, had double digit power play points, even though he's not on the first unit. So I really have a ton of trust in them, even a Tom Wilson, even if it's just a points pool with no hits, uh, no peripherals that Wilson normally benefits from. We saw him pick, pick up 15 points or so in 21 playoff games when they won it all the other year in 2018. So, yeah, that's a team that I feel like like on any given night, it could be Vrana, it could be Oshie, it could be Backstrom, Kuznetsov. Like, it's tough to put your finger on for DFS on a given night other than Ovechkin, but like they're strong enough where in a pool, I I kind of view them all as that same attractive safe option. I think it's too with, with Holpe is another guy on that safe list. Now turning away from the big dogs, I do want to go back to a Barzell, which you mentioned Davey on a team that doesn't have a whole lot of scoring output. 
or a threat necessarily. Do you? St- I still like the value for a Matt Barzell, especially when it's close to the 100 range in, in drafts. How do you feel about that? Well, I, I agree with you there. I mean, you look at the Panthers and we know how great their offense is, but with Bobrovsky there and the defense, I mean, you know, the Islanders could score a couple of goals, you know, here and there, three, four game even. I mean, Barzell is probably the top guy offensively on their team. And if the Islanders win, you're getting, you know, a minimum of seven games out of a guy you've picked in the last round. So I think that was a great pick by Pete. I also wanted to say I was looking at the, you know, of, of the top 10 guys to go undrafted. There was only one, Nazim Kadri, who's on a team that has a first round buy. So, you know, we pretty much got most of those guys who are going to, who are going to advance, who have advanced to the Stanley Cup playoffs and left, you know, the qualifiers. So for the later rounds and stuff, we, it pretty much to me, it seemed like we were in agreement that we're taking guys who are, who are uh, going to play in the later rounds. I think with Barzell, you worry about his line mates. I think you worry about him making those guys better and elevating their game. I don't really know how good Anders Lee is. It seems like he was more of a product of Taveras when he was there. And Jordan Eberle is like MIA during the regular season and then exploded last postseason and then was bad again this regular season. Is he on power play one? Is he not? Uh, Those questions are never answered year to year. Um, it seems like his value has really diminished with the Islanders in the grand scheme of things. So then again, there's no one really to help. Like the Islanders have one of the worst power play units. They have Josh Bailey on there. They don't really have a stalwart defenseman. So I just worry about the supporting cast around Barzell and where he stacks up. I mean, that's why he fell to the final round. I didn't even have to take him. I think I could have taken someone a little safer like Taves or Monahan, you know, at, at that range. The great thing about Zoom is it counts how many times you say the same word, and we're already at the limit with Barzell, so we have to move on. <laughs> Barzell's been mentioned way too much here, considering he was a, a final round pick. But let's right. go around the horn here. I know we're a little tight on time as, as Petey has some, some items to get to, but sleepers. I want to hear about some sleepers. I want to hear about some against-the-grain guys. I want to hear about you know some value plays. Let's go. Best sleeper I'm going to throw out in the program today Paul Stasny of the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, the reason I like Stasny more than a cadre, gentlemen, is because Stasny has the guaranteed productive line mates. It's going to be 30 goal on either wing, whether it's Stone, uh, Pacioretty, whether it's even Marsh or so, Riley Smith, if they go that route too. Those are 30 goal scorers. Paul Stasny is going to benefit greatly from whichever line combination Pete DeBoer decides to roll out. I really like Jason Zucker. I can't remember who took him, but we have been debating this. Is he going to play with Crosby? Is he going to play with Malkin? It doesn't matter. And when you, he scored 30-plus goals before in the NHL and looked really good uh, with Crosby before the pause after the trade from Minnesota. And that's a player, like, you look at Pittsburgh's pedigree and you look at Crosby, Malkin, Hornquist, Rust, all these guys, Gensel's one of the best. He went 20th overall. And you forget about Jason Zucker, but he could be as involved as anyone in that offense, especially if he finds his way onto power play one. So Zucker was on our sleeper list and uh, was taken very late in this draft as well. Yeah, I took Zucker in the last round. He was one guy I was going to mention. The other guy is someone who Pete took in the last round, which was Chris Kreider. I mean, if the Rangers, we t- we, we've already talked about them, but besides – Panarin, Zabinijad. I mean, Kreider, we saw what he did before the injury, and now he's healthy. So I thought that was a great pick. We've seen what this guy's done before. 
you know, so I think Chris Kreider and in that late is, is a, was a really good sleeper pick. I like the Kreider pick too. I think it's, it's definitely safe. Even I I know Pete said earlier, he feels good about Tom Wilson, regardless of hits or not. I think I feel the same way with Kreider. He's going to produce, he's going to be in a top six role, probably on that top power play as well. So that Rangers team, as long as they get through Carolina, you don't want to play that team. I I am going to just swing it to Philadelphia right here real quick. I cannot believe that we have not mentioned Travis Konechny yet on the program. That is a disruptor if I've seen one. That is a spark plug if I've seen one. And that is going to translate to postseason points. Look look ahead for Travis Konechny to have a nice productive postseason. And another guy from the Flyers that I really liked it. For some reason, like every time we do a regular season mock draft and now in the playoff mock draft, it held true as well. Couturier always falls. I don't know if it's because he's center only. I mean, we didn't really take positions into account as much in this mock, but he still fell. I mean, that guy was a beast in the playoffs a couple of years ago. He is probably one of the top five defensive two-way forwards in the entire NHL, Couturier and is on power play one usually. So, I mean, what's not to like about that player? So if he falls really late, you can categorize him as an underrated player or a sleeper as well. Yeah, Konechny and Couturier actually went back to back in the, I think the fifth or sixth or seventh round. So nice. I, I took Konechny, Pete, you took Couturier. I was actually debating between the two of them and I wasn't sure which way to go, but I agree with you there, both of you guys. These are two guys who I think they're gonna have a great playoffs. We talked about goalies a little bit, but you know, give me some of the goaltenders that you know you're zeroed in on, or guys that maybe fell that you know may help the team out. I know you guys handcuffed some goalies and paired them up. Uh, what do you got for me in that uh, regard? Well, I wanted to. I'm, I think I asked it earlier, and we never got to yeah. the answer. But why did I know I took? I was happy taking Vasilevsky as the third goalie off the board, but I was reluctant to take. Bishop and Rask like were you guys the same are you worried about taking a guy like that too high just because of the unpredictable nature of this whole tournament you have to say that I think that's why goalies slipped we didn't take a goalie what it was so like mid-20s late 20s I think that's the reason why but I'm not I'm not worried about Rask that that's one goalie I I definitely have no concerns about same thing with Vasilevsky even though I'm not a big um, defender of the Tampa Bay Lightning on the program so I think when you have those names, Bishop, Vasilevsky, Rask, you really don't have much at all to worry about. I think it's when you get down to the Markstroms, the Hellebucks, uh, whoever it's going to be for Calgary, whoever it's going to be for the Rangers, that's when I really start to kind of shake in my boots a little bit. Yeah, I actually think the top five guys are pretty much Locks, Rask, Bishop, Vasilevsky, Fleury, and Bennington. But then after that, it's really tough. I mean, Pete, I think you took Varlamov, you know, it was very late. A guy like um, Peter Mrazek, who to me, he's the starter for Carolina. I mean, he's, it's going to be him over Reimer and he didn't even get drafted. So some of these guys we had very tough decisions with. And like you said, there's at least half the teams where they have goalie, you know, goalie uh, controversy. So there was only the top five to me were guys that I said were locks. And then after that, I pretty much waited a while because there was no clear favorites at that after that. Where did Corey Schneider go, Dave? Corey Schneider, he actually went to Boston College, I think. So, uh, yeah. I think one thing I do I want to throw out here, too, is like teams like Dallas is a team that we didn't touch a whole lot on today's program. I know that we saw Jamie Benn go pretty late. We saw Tyler Sagan outside the top 50. Um, I know it's not sleeper names by any means, but these are guys that are going to be available because they had down regular seasons. And that's one thing that, that fantasy owners 
from the regular season have to throw out the window. This is the playoffs. Dallas is a big, heavy hitter team that can score goals. I know they didn't during the regular season the past two years, but this is a different format, postseason games. I like Dallas a lot and would not hesitate to reach for a Sagan, a Ben, Radulov, Klingberg, et cetera. Heisken and Klingberg. Exactly. The defenseman, that was like, I know I reached for Klingberg, I think among the top 10 defensemen, maybe at like 10 or 11 at the position. And then Heiskanen went shortly after. Like, that's where the best value is for Dallas's players. But then, yeah, like you said, Robbie, you can get Radulov late. Jamie Ben was one of the final probably 20 picks of the entire mock draft, which is crazy, but uh, it makes sense. I mean, he's on the downward trend in his career, but still, I think he's near a point per game in his playoff career, so you can't take him lightly. I'm assuming Gorianov was not taken off the board. Is that a correct assumption? I don't assumption? think he made it. I don't think Gurianov or Hintz was drafted in the mock. Wow, Hintz wasn't drafted. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, Davey, who are your goaltenders? Elvis and um, Corpusalo? What are you looking at from the goaltender perspective? <laughs> uh, well, I actually – I did take Elvis. I think it was kind of late, but he might not even start it, although I think he will. Um, but as far as the goalies, to me, I, I took a guy like Crawford sort of early – after the big wave, just because he's a starter. And, you know, I think Chicago has a shot there, but as I said, I mainly focused on forwards because with only two defensemen, after you got one main guy, it was kind of like, okay, I'll wait a while. And the goalies, as I said, I, I pretty much just waited for you guys and said, Hey, I'll take who's left because to me it was a crapshoot after the first five, six guys. I'm just reviewing rosters right now, Davey. You have one team that has a player from the Rangers, the Maple Leafs, the Canucks, the Flames, the Wild, the Canucks, the Canucks, the Hurricanes, the Coyotes, and the Blackhawks. What do those teams all have in oh common? I said at the top of the show I had a team with like eight guys who were playing in the first round. So I did get that out of the way. That, one, is, a, that is a bold strategy. One of, that team might have all 10. I think I have all 10 players in the first round. So we'll have to see how that one works out. And half of them best. were playing each other. So it's like they're going to have a half, it's not a half easy. roster it's not, guaranteed. Look, it's, it's not easy being a GM for four teams at the same time, guys, right? I mean, you know, well, I, I took it as – I didn't look at my other teams and compare, as, you know, I have in the past. But it wasn't easy doing four teams at the same time. I will say that. It's true. It's true. Our heads were spinning for sure. Robbie, I did like your picks of your goalies late. Um, I mean – UC Saros is so under the radar still just because he has some uncertainty, but he was as good as anybody in February and March around the whole league. And then Alex Stalock got drafted in this mock draft over Devin Dubnik and ahead of Carey Price. Alex Stalock ahead of Carey Price. That's gutsy. The, uh, the Vancouver Canucks, I'm, I'm, I'm super high on. Regular season fantasy dream team for sure. In the postseason, I'm definitely skeptical and, I, and I'm almost leaning towards the wild here, not for any of the the kind of funny reasons we, we talked about with gambling earlier about how they're, they're a great bet. I genuinely think this wild team's underrated. Fiala's a real good goal scorer. Their stats from February 1 to the end of the season, they were top three in goals scored at five on five. That's not a fluke. That is very hard to achieve. If they can find some decent power play looks, which by the way, their power play is hovering right around the top 10 in the league. Very surprising stat there. If they can continue that in the postseason, that's going to be a very hard out. And Staylock is a guy that I think has another gear. We see, the, we see goalies with Bennington, other guys like that. Blackwood's another example. They just take a little bit longer now. Another year or two older, they start getting pretty good. Staylock, I think, fits that same bill. 
Well, I like the Canucks and Markstrom. You know, Pete and I actually talked to Bo Horvat yesterday on a conference call, and what did he say? He's not worried about a Hughes, a Markstrom, a Pettish, and a Besser playing their first playoff, you know, type experience. Um, and Horvat himself, he's only played once before, but he had four points in six games. So I like the young core of the Canucks. I think Markstrom and those guys are kind of built for the playoff hockey. So I like the Canucks in that opening round. Be careful. I know he doesn't lace up the skates. I know he's not on the ice, but you know I love him. Oh, Billy Garen. He's got a little magic touch with that team. You know what I'm saying? He's not on the ice, but oh, Billy will make a difference in this series. Yep, and Kevin Fiala, if they win that first round, could be one of the steals of the draft, and nobody could say, we didn't tell you it's coming. I mean, Kevin Fiala, like Parisi was talking about it the other day, when Dean Evason took over, the, the switch flipped. Like, they got more creative offensively. They got unleashed a bit. They were allowed to play at a different pace, and they, uh, they put the puck in the, in the net a, a whole lot more, uh, led by Fiala. Closing remark for me here is that Nashville and Minnesota should not be thought of as timeshare situations right now. That is Soros' job right now, and that is Stalock's job right now. If they lose that job, they lose that job. But heading into this qualifying round, those are your starting netminders. Take them in fantasy, sure, with a grain of salt, but they should return value for you, even if they get balanced in the first qualifying round. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Dubnik's career playoff numbers, not good. Pekka I have my concerns. I think that the only chance that those teams win those series are if they go with Saros and Stalock. So I agree with that, Robbie. Davey, thanks for hopping on. I know it's a busy, busy time with training camp starting Monday. So thanks, buddy. You know, before we go, guys, I, since I know you're all wondering, I went 8 of 14 yesterday, the big loss. I had under 105.5 in Las Vegas, and it was over. So that, that one hurt me. Davey Satriano betting on the weather. Wow, we have hit an all-time low. Send me those picks, though, because <laughs> I might want to get in on that action. And, guys, hopefully we get an announcement here maybe Saturday or so, and next week training camps get underway right? They get back on the ice and hopefully everything stays on the tracks and we could have puck drop on the season August 1st or so. So I'm getting juiced up. I'm excited. And uh, to the listeners, thanks as always. Rate and review. A couple rate and reviews go a long way, especially during a pandemic. You know, you could help out a little bit and uh, stay safe. And thanks for listening. And boys, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Bobby's at Aircheck. David Satriano on Twitter at NHL Reese for Robbie at NHL Jensen for myself. And yes, please leave us a review. So everybody have a great weekend. Check out the past couple episodes of the show as well. Check out the other podcasts in the network at the Rink and Draft Class. And we'll talk to you again next week here on NHL Fantasy on Ice.